You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Med Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So there's this thing that happens once in a while um, where there's a lot of things that I know I wanted to talk about. And it's like, man, there's so much to talk about. Like, it's probably, I got today covered, probably half of tomorrow. But I haven't actually looked at my notes yet, and I have no idea what any of those things were. I forgot. I don't know what happened today. And I know for a fact that sometimes I put stuff in my notes. And I know for a fact there were other times when I said, try to remember to either check back here or put this in your notes later, and I did not. So there's this like horrifying moment where I sit down here and it's like, all right, time to get going and talk about all these things. And then I'm about to open up the notes and it's like, what if there's nothing in there? What if... What if I forgot everything and I have nothing to talk about today? I'm not going to lie, it's happened. I've, I've, uh, I've been there. You've probably noticed without really noti- knowing that you're noticing. It's those days where it's like, he doesn't really know what he's talking about today, I don't think. That's, what's, that's what that day is. This feels, this feels random. Like he's, he's kind of just finding his way. It's like the old Michael Scott thing. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't really know what I'm talking about and I just hope that I find my way, you know, find it along the way, something to that effect. It's a terrible feeling, it really, especially when you have a bunch of stuff laid out, and it's like, what the heck was I going to talk about today? I know I was really excited about it, and it was like a big thing, and I got nothing. Anyways, um, that's not it, and I'm, I do have some notes, and I'm starting to remember a couple others. But I want to do something that I absolutely should not do, um, because I'm trying to be a little bit more level-headed. I'm trying not to be angry, but I'm in, it's weird, because it's like, all right, I'm in a bit of a snippy mood. I don't know why. It's just one of those things where it's like, I kind of just feel like I want to lay into somebody. I don't know if you ever get that. It's like, I just got this pent up frustration that needs to go somewhere. And it shouldn't go out on the podcast, but at the same time, I go on Twitter and I see Adam Rank saying stuff and it's like, (laughs) okay. If I start with this, the podcast is going to spiral out of control real fast. I'm just going to get real angry, but I'm I'm just going to read it and comment quickly and then we're going to get out of here. So Adam Rank is a Bears fan. Um, what does he actually do? I think he's a fantasy football guy. Didn't we establish that? Yeah, fantasy football. So he's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you would rank that. Your favorite fantasy analyst's favorite fantasy analyst. So quite, quite humble. Not that I have, you know, room to talk, but it's a, it's a little arrogant. But the only thing I know him from is that he likes to attack Packer fans. And look, here's the thing, and I've been saying this. There are certain things you can say that I'm not going to even disagree with. There, there have been Bears fans that have been trolling that I just leave it, I just leave it be. Because it's not, you know, it's, it's whatever. Ha ha, you guys are screwed with this Rodgers thing. Like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I could be, yeah, maybe. I'm not going to fight you about that. I don't know. But it, it's almost like people are just laying traps. If you want to lay a trap for me, if you want to throw out bait, say something that is logically incorrect. Because I can't help myself. I'm going to, I'm going to correct you. It's the same thing with, with all this other stuff that I've been talking about. It's not really that I care. 
I don't really care. If, that, that's where it gets kind of confusing with me because it's like he's real angry, but at the same time his message is I don't know, and I don't know how you can be angry about I don't know because you're not taking a firm stance on any. It's because the people that are arguing for their stance so definitively are doing a terrible job, and it drives me crazy. You're really bad at making your case. I don't even mind the position, but be better at defending it because you suck. So this guy's been sitting around and brewing, trying to think up the best possible way to attack the Green Bay Packers. This is what he came up with. This is his big brain moment. Packers fans for the last decade. Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. Packers fans now. We don't need Aaron Rodgers to win. That's quite a pivot. I got two big problems with this. And I, I know. It's like, well, who are you talking to? Adam's not listening, and we all agree with you. That's fine. I'm just, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about it. First of all, this is a borderline straw man argument, right? Straw man is essentially where you make up something that somebody else said, and then you demolish it. And then you're like, dude, look at me, I demolished him. And it's like, well, that's, that's not really what anybody's saying. But I, I, that was my initial, like, retweet. I was gonna say that, and then I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't even demolish, he failed at a straw man argument. The, the whole point of a straw man is you lie about what other people are saying so that you can drive a friggin' truck into it and just annihilate it. It's not going anywhere. It's not moving. It's a sitting duck. This guy set up a straw man, a literal scarecrow. He stood three feet away and shot at it with a shotgun and missed. Because here's the problem. We don't need Aaron Rodgers to win, and Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. Those are not mutually exclusive positions to take. So he ends it with, that's quite a pivot. How is that a pivot? A pivot would imply that I changed my mind. I don't have to change it. Forget the validity of it. For, forget the position of whether we need Rodgers, whether love is any good, any of that. Forget that. Who cares? Again, it's, it's the fact that he thought that this was an intelligent thing to do. And if you're going to straw man, you know you're going to get annihilated by people who are going to call you out on, on this being a straw man argument. So you might as well really just... Make a really good one that you can... You missed! It's not a pivot! Because they can both absolutely be true at the exact same time. Is Aaron Rodgers the GOAT? Yeah. Can the Packers win football games if he leaves? Or should we just pack it up? Nope, they can still win. Now, if he really wanted to ramp up the straw man, which is probably he didn't want to take it this far, because then it would just the straw man would be so stupid. But if you wanted it to at least be logically consistent... You could say, you know, something to the effect of Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT, which means greatest of all time, and then in the second part put something to the effect of Jordan Love is better than Aaron Rodgers, or something to that effect, which again, zero people, literally zero people have said that, except maybe Jordan Love's mom, and I'm not even sure that she would go that far. But at least then, it's just a straw man. But dude, you, you built a straw man and still fail. This guy, come on, man. I just, I can't handle this. How are you this bad at stuff? It's like, you ever see those videos of like these kind of, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're nice, but you know, those kids that don't have a lot of friends and, um, you know, for some reason they feel the need to like make a TikTok about how tough they are. And so this kid decides, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to show how tough you want to mess with my, my girlfriend, which I mean, of course he doesn't have one, but we'll just go along with the story here. You say that again to my girlfriend, I'll show you what happens. And so he has this, like, test dummy thing. You know, like a little punching bag that's like a dude with no arms? I don't know why this kid would have one, but maybe he borrowed it from his dad. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna show you what happens when you mess with my girlfriend. And he hauls off and misses it, 
and punches the wall and breaks his hand and falls and smacks his face on the table. That's what Adam Rank just did. You don't have a girlfriend and you missed the target and you made yourself look stupid. And he doesn't realize it. It would be, if I want to finish the story, it would be like that kid got up and looked at the camera and was like, yeah, now what? It's like, dude, you, do you realize you look stupid when you did that right now? I just, again, I, I'm, I'm not even trying to fight. It's like, I, I, this is a great time for Bears fans to jump up and be like, ha ha, you guys suck. I, I'm not jumping on any of the, I see it all, the, they're jumping in my comments, and I'm like, yeah, dude's crazy, I don't know, I, yeah, could be, maybe he's gone, I don't know, that, that, yeah, that'd be bad, Blake Bortles, I know, right, Blake is the new quarterback, you got me, <laughs> I don't care, but dude, this is, and the guy's got 462,000 followers, and this is his big zinger of the day, you know, it, it's just, it's not for everybody, you know, you got some guys that just, not everybody's Fred Sanford, can just turn anything into, into an insult. And I know that that's a scripted show, but I watch that and it's like, I want to be that guy. Because you know there's people out there that are like that. You say anything and they can twist it into some kind of an insult. I mean, you'll, you'll have like, Lamont will talk to his dad and be like, Dad, there's a bug in here. And without missing a beat, he'll grab a fly swatter and start going after Ann Esther. And like, you heard the boy, get out, cockroach. You know, just like, just boom, on the spot. Just, again, I know it's scripted, but just the quick wit, I just, I, I love that. Some people are gifted with that. Adam Rank is, is just, he's, he's good at fantasy football, apparently, supposedly. I don't know. I'll, I'll give him that. He needs to stay out of the zinger arena. Or maybe, like, dumb it down to yo mama jokes or something, because, you know, the whole, like, actual critical thinking side of, of, like, going after people. And it's like, I just, I know he sat there and, like, thought about it for a while. It's just, it's kind of sad. I feel bad for him a little bit. But hey, I'm sure he makes decent money and uh, has, a, has a dream job and is on TV and he plays fantasy football all day long, so I'm happy for him. But he has just, you got to stop, dude, because it's really embarrassing. So anyways, I had to get that off my chest because it's, been, it's been bothering me for the last hour when I saw that. Anyways, I haven't been doing a good job of looking at the Patreon questions, and I saw one come across, and I was like, that's one of those things where it's like, I gotta remember this, and I did, and I'm proud of myself. Uh, Taj posed a question. There is a uh, Patreon Discord where uh, the patrons can ask questions and whatnot. Taj says, this might be a stupid question, but I've heard uh, Pac Daddy mention a few plausible explanations for Bortle signing, just to have a ready number two, Rogers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but could it also mean that Rogers won the argument and they're gonna get rid of Love? I guess there's two different ways to approach this. Do I think it's going to happen, and does that fit what I've been saying? Yes and no. I don't think that's what we're seeing. But yeah, that fits the mold of, as far as what I've been saying about, it doesn't make sense as far as just being a normal number three camp arm signing. If it is the case, which I don't think it is, that the Packers are planning on moving on from Jordan Love, that would also fall into the spectrum of, I think he's here to essentially be a number two, the guy that's ready to play. So is that another explanation for it? Yes. Do I think that's it? Not really. But again, it, it fits in with the mold of there's something unique about this situation. I don't know exactly what, but I feel like it's outside of the norm. Well, because it is. Uh, also had a question from Josh saying that um, Jordan Hicks, uh, Arizona linebacker, is seeking a trade. Would he be a good fit? How much do you think he would cost via trade? I don't think I would be a huge fan of it. With, with all these other things, it's something similar to what I've said about wide receivers several times. 
if we're going to bring somebody in, whether that's a via the draft or via um, free agency, they have to bring something different. It can't just be another guy into this pile of guys that we have. They have to be better than, or at least different than, which I think Amari potentially fits both of those, hopefully fits both of those categories. We'll find out in due time. I think Jordan kind of just fits into the mold of the pile of guys that we have, right? We've got Kamal, who is just a really good run defender. At least that's the box I'm putting him in. Maybe that's not fair, but whatever. Here's what it is. Everybody else we have is sort of the smaller, speedier, sideline-to-sideline slash coverage guy, which is what Jordan Hicks is. So my thought is, if we're going to bring in that guy, it's because we don't really like the guys we have, which is the first question. Do you like the guys we have or not? If you do, then we don't need Jordan Hicks. If you don't, then the question is, is Jordan Hicks significantly better than the guys that we have? And, And keep in mind, we just drafted one. Not very early, but we just drafted one. So we're kind of saying we don't have a ton of confidence in him either, or we just don't want to risk him not being up to snuff because it's a very important position, and I don't think Jordan Hicks fits that mold. Um, It's possible he is because he was very good with Philly. However, his last two years with Arizona have been quite bad. In fact, his last year with Arizona was by far the worst. He had a 50.4 overall grade, um, and coverage, which is his main thing, again, his four years with Philly, his coverage grade 84, 91, 71, and 78, which is phenomenal for anybody, much less a linebacker. But then 2019, his first year with Arizona was a 53, and then this year a 62. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where if if our defensive coordinator is looking at it and saying we're running something similar to what Philly did, Arizona brought him in and they used him incorrectly, we will rectify that and we'll get the old version of Jordan Hicks back, then heck yeah, dude, bring him in. But I can't sit here and make that assessment, and I, I wouldn't even know where to begin as far as trying to make that assessment. But just based on where I'm sitting, he's 28 years old, almost 29 years old, he hasn't really played good football since 2018, and I don't, I don't think, you know, even leaving aside the fact that we don't really have um, money for him, I just don't know that he significantly adds to the room that we have. Again, it, it's, it's plausible, because if you think you can get the Philly version of Jordan Hicks back, then this guy is a very serious asset for your football team. Just just based on a glimpse of what I'm looking at, I'm not super excited, especially considering, like you mentioned, we'd have to give up compensation. As far as what do I think it would be, I think it'd be pretty low. Like, you know, I don't know, six-round pick maybe? Again, we're talking about a 29-year-old linebacker who has not really ever been a dominant force in the NFL. I mean, even when he was graded out quite well, I don't know that you really thought about or heard about Jordan Hicks in the same conversation as a lot of the other big-wig linebackers that you always heard of. One thing I will point out, though, um, I did point to how he's been kind of going backwards. If you just look at his coverage grades, he's really only had one bad year. If we assume 62.6 isn't that bad, 386 yards given up isn't bad, zero touchdowns, one interception, one pass breakup is not phenomenal, but it's not terrible. I don't know. I, I could maybe get behind it, but he's just a coverage guy, and I think he's heading in the wrong direction, and there's a lot of risk there. But it's sort of high risk, high reward, I suppose. But I definitely would not give up a lot of conference compensation for him. Definitely not more than a, a fifth-round pick. Even at that, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Also got a question here from Sean, which um, I want to dive a little bit deeper into. Ah, not too much, I guess, but he says, how often does a team repeat as the number one offense? Now, before I answer that directly... One thing that I want to remind everybody is the Packers were the number one offense last year. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP last year. 
I'm not saying the Packers are necessarily bad or Aaron Rodgers is necessarily bad this year, but there's a lot of arguments and discussion going on as though we know that with everything being the same, Aaron Rodgers is automatically the MVP this year and the Packers automatically have the best offense in football. That definitely does not have to be the case. In fact, it would be ridiculously, unbelievably rare, possibly the first time ever that you have the number one offense repeating and the MVP repeating. But let's just look at the last, I don't know, we'll just go back for a while, let's say 10 years. So the number one scoring offense, we'll just go based on points, was the Green Bay Packers. The year before that, 2019, it was the Baltimore Ravens. Actually, why don't we go in the other direction? Because that'll be a little bit more interesting because then we can see what happened to the other teams. So we'll go back to, let's just go back to 2010. So in 2010, the number one scoring offense was the New England Patriots and kind of by a lot, 518 points compared to the Chargers at 441. The very next year, 2011, the Packers were number one, the Patriots were number three. So not a big drop off, but definitely not number one anymore. 2012, the Patriots were back on top, the Packers dropped to fifth. 2013 was the Denver Broncos, which is one of the more dominant offenses sort of ever. Patriots dropped to third. 2014 was the Packers again. The Broncos were number two. 2015 was the Carolina Panthers. And the Packers dropped down to 15th. 2016 was that very awesome Falcons team. The Carolina Panthers dropped down to 15th. So back-to-back years, the number one offense was 15th. Then 2017, you had the LA Rams. The Falcons, again, dropped down to 15th. So now it's three years in a row. The number one team was the 15th overall team. Packers, for reference, were 21st. Then you had the most recent years with the, obviously, very dominant Kansas City Chiefs. The Rams were dropped down to second, so still quite good. But as we know, that continues to decline. Then, as I said, you had Baltimore as the number one team. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs dropped to fifth. The Rams dropped to 11th. Then you had 2020, the Green Bay Packers were number one. You had, let's see, where are all these other teams? The Chiefs dropped down to sixth. The Ravens dropped down to seventh. The Rams, yikes, are uh, 22nd. So in the last 10 years, no team is repeated. Now, several of these teams, especially early on, kind of hovered in the same area. The Patriots, the Packers, the Broncos for a couple years there were kind of hovering near the top. But some of these teams just completely dropped off. Now, obviously, there were injury issues with a couple of those times. So, I mean, understand, I I still believe that this is a very, very talented football team. But Aaron Rodgers is a very, very good quarterback. If he was fifth, he'd still be a very good quarterback, and it wouldn't shock me at all. In fact, I'd be pretty happy to hear that he was the fifth best quarterback. If the Packers were the fifth best offense, that would still be a very good offense. But again, the only reason I wanted to kind of emphasize that is... A lot of times what we do is we draw back into last year to try to make our arguments for this year, and we know that that's not the right way to do things. We say that all the time when people bring up, like, strength of schedule. It's like, well, that doesn't work because last year's teams are not this year's teams, and things change, at least to some degree. It's not a completely random draw where you're going to end up. I mean, you'll probably hover near where you were last year, depending any massive changes. But it is a new year, and, and new years bring new challenges, new injuries, new changes, new who knows what, new schedule, new opponents. But just like with the playoffs, which is why I never understood the argument of they're good enough to get to the playoffs, but not good enough to win a Super Bowl. It's like, I don't think that's really a thing. I mean, unless you're a, you know, eight-win team that limped into the playoffs. But I mean, if you're a 13-win team that's considered one of the best teams in football, you're good enough to win a Super Bowl. And, and so I think, again, 
whether they're the first best or the fifth best or the seventh best or Rodgers is number one, three, five, nine. The point is the team is in a great position to get where they got to go. Exactly how this shakes out, I don't know. But the best you can do is put put together a really solid team, and I think that's where the Packers are. And I am excited about them. I wish we had a little more closure on the quarterback situation, but we don't, so I don't exactly know how I feel. But if we assume Rodgers is back, there's no reason not to believe that this is... I mean, nobody's going to agree with us if I say the best, but I said last year, win, lose, or draw, I think this is the best team in football. Nothing has changed except we got a little bit better. So, you know, if it's not us or, you know, obviously you throw the Bucks in that conversation. Who else? The, the Chiefs, I guess. Although, I again, I do think, not not that I'm expecting an implosion. You know, if they go 4-0, and I don't want to hear people say, oh, what happened? I thought the Chiefs sucked. What happened to that? I never said they sucked. I said I'm expecting a decline, similar to what we've seen with the Seahawks, which has been the slowest dying out of a franchise I've ever seen in my life. They've, that is the slowest bleed ever. It's one of those things where it's like, somebody just put them out of their misery, please. It's painful to watch them just die so slowly. Anyways, in the news today, the, uh, the Packers did sign Josh Myers, which is cool. He got signed to a four-year, $5.58 million contract that includes a $1.418284 million signing bonus. It is pretty cool if you think about it. Like, again, it, it doesn't mean anything to me or to us. I mean, it's obvious that this was going to happen. But Josh Myers was just a dude. I mean, he, he's, he's less than just a dude. He's a college student. I know that's a weird way to phrase that. But I'm just thinking in terms of think how much, regardless of where you are in life, unless you're a millionaire or whatever, but how much that would mean to you. Now imagine you're a, a college child. <laughs> I mean, I know he's in his 20s, but like this guy's, he's got nothing. He's, he's, he was just eating like ramen noodles, microwave tortillas with bologna and cheese and hot sauce. Although I didn't use bologna. It was like that weird salami stuff. It's pretty good. It's like that cheap salami that's kind of like bologna with different seasonings in it. It's got like those big chunks of pepper that are kind of gross and you kind of like pluck them out because why would I want to eat a literal chunk of pepper? But this guy, I mean, it's weird because we sit here and we're like, ah, it's a million bucks. Like you loser, you only get a million. Like, dude, that's nothing. Like if you're good, maybe someday you'll make some real money like a real man. Dude, it's a million dollars. This guy played football. It was just, I mean, it was a handful of years ago that he was playing football in high school and now the Green Bay Packers signed him, drafted him in the second round, signed him to a contract, and handed him, handed him a $1.4 million check. And I'm just leaving off the $18,284 at the end of that $1.4 as though it doesn't mean anything. This is a guy that six months ago, you hand him an $18,000 check, it would have been like, dude, it is a big deal. It's nothing compared to what a lot of these guys get. It's a fraction of the amount of money he's about to get. Real excited for him to someday get like a $20 million a year contract, which I know seems silly, but we're talking down the road, you know, inflation and whatnot, which I understand is a sensitive topic right now. Talking about the salary cap inflation, all right? Not the whole we can't afford anything anymore inflation. So, Mr. Rich Boy, congratulations. We're all happy and hopefully you will repay the Packers and all of us, not that we gave you any of that money, by uh, being awesome. Every day. That's all you gotta do, man. That's all you gotta do. Be awesome. Can't be that hard, can it? I guess I wouldn't know, but give me a million dollars, I'll figure out how to be awesome. 
Anyways, why don't we take a break here? I want to talk about Rookie Minicamp, which is what's going on right now. Pretty exciting stuff. We got a couple sound clips, sound bites, whatever, from the coach and things that happened. And it's all good news, uh, as well as one interesting little observation, if we have time. If not, we'll save that for tomorrow. But uh, we'll take a break. Make sure you check out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. It's a great way to support the podcast. You can do so for as little as a dollar a month. If you do so, you can check out the episodes early and ad-free. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I want to go through uh, Matt LaFleur, talk to the media again. So just kind of, again, going to try not to narrate, but just so you're aware of what was said and, and all that kind of stuff. Um Again, obviously, there is still a rift between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers that has, not had, uh, that has not been resolved. And the real easy way to tell is when asked about it, do they say Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback or not? Well, we kind of got right out of the gate. The question was asked about, you know, do you think Jordan Love needs to be ready to possibly be the number one quarterback? And rather than just saying, no, Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, he said, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens, more or less. So, anyways, here is that audio. Hey, Matt, are you? Um, I assume you're assuming that um, Rogers won't be at the start of camp next week. And if so, how do you uh, prepare Jordan Love? Do you start to work on him as though he's going to be the starter? Do you have to find out things that he likes just in case uh, you don't have Aaron? Yeah, Tom, I'm not going to make any assumptions about anything at this point. We're just going to take it day to day. But I think every player on our roster is got to have the mentality that, that they're going to be the guy. If, if not, when you do get your opportunity, you will, will not be prepared for it. So that is always what we stress to every player on this football team. You know, in football, unfortunately, there's some uncontrolled circumstances that can happen. And, um, you know, you might be one play away from getting your opportunity. And, and in this league, you might only get one opportunity. So you better be prepared for that. So again, this isn't new information. It just basically means we're right where we left off. Yes, there's an issue. Rodgers is not expected to be at camp. We don't know how severe or what the likelihood is, but it's clearly still a thing. They haven't changed their messaging at all to um, we're confident he's going to be back. There is more said about Rodgers or whatever, but I want to just go in order of when the questions were asked. Um, here is Matt LaFleur kind of giving a little bit of insights into the, I guess, what we're talking about, the rookie training camp. 
And it is cool. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the pictures or videos or anything of uh, of the camp, but it's it's cool that these guys are all in one place. They're all in Green Bay. They all got their Packer stuff on, and they're playing football. It's also cool because, you know, we don't think too much of this time, but, you know, there isn't a lot of football to be played between now and week one. I mean, real evaluation. And so when we talk about things like, you know, is Josh Myers going to be the center week one? Is Eric Stokes going to be the corner week one? Is, is Shamar Jean Charles, does he have a shot of starting in the slot? Amari Rogers, is he going to be getting like legit snaps week one? Or is this going to be a slow, slow acclimation throughout the entire first year? Those kinds of decisions start forming today the assessment of where they're at. So their ability to play, as much as, again, we look at this and it's like, ah, it's, I mean, there's not even pads. They're doing very basic kind of stuff. The difference between seeing these guys week one and them playing real well and maybe not seeing them hardly at all, it's, it's, there's a lot riding on these, these few days um, between now and then. But anyways, here's a question about what happened and his answer. Mike Spofford. Hey, Matt, um, what's your first impression here as you get to, to meet this rookie class? And as a coach, how much do you appreciate just getting to have a weekend like this when it was uh, taken away last year? Oh, yeah, Mike, it, it feels so good to be out there with these guys. I, I'll tell you the one thing that was extremely noticeable was just the energy level and the effort of these guys um, was outstanding you know, getting a chance to finally interact with these guys face-to-face because all our meetings up to this point have been virtual. So, I mean, I'm meeting these guys for the first time face-to-face. All of our coaches are. And, um, you know, you can tell, like, that the the character of this group is, is extremely high, and, and that is going to be so valuable to our football team and our locker room. So I'm going to skip the next question because it's sort of generic, but uh, there was a specific question about Eric Stokes and uh... – well, no, whatever. We'll play it right here. Hey, Matt, I uh, certainly would never ask you to make any judgments off of one practice like this. But with, with Stokes, what did you guys like about the body of work and where he fits into both what you have at that position group and what Joe does with his corners? Well, he uh, he certainly looks impressive. Uh, he's, you know, got great size and length and the speed. You can really see that. You can tell he... He's not too threatened by uh, guys running by him, which is a huge advantage for defensive backs. It allows you to play really sticky coverage. I thought he's he's just a great communicator, a great competitor. I, I love the rapport and the interaction that I saw with him and Jerry Gray and Ryan Downard out there. Um, I thought that was outstanding and just really excited. He's, he's a great kid. You can tell he's got a, a very infectious personality and just looking forward to getting to know him better. And that is one thing I noticed, and I think I mentioned it on this podcast, is it's very evident how comfortable he is with his speed. Um, a lot of the times, I mean, you know, when you've got a really fast receiver, like, for example, Tyreek Hill, one of the things that's always said about him or has been said is the difficulty is if you play him too close, he's going to run right past you. If you play off too far, they're just going to dump it off to him and take the easy automatic six yards. So what in the heck are you supposed to do with this guy? other than just double cover him just because of his speed. You know, get some over-the-top help and then kind of press him up a little bit. Like I said, I watched, I think, four or five games of Eric Stokes, and I think one time, I don't know if it was against Arkansas or what, but there was one time it looked like he had to kind of huff it to keep up with somebody, but he did keep up. And by huff it, I just mean 
Like, I actually have to put a lot of effort into keeping up with this guy or he's going to get away from me. Usually, it's just, I mean, it's one of those things, too, where he's kind of still turned sideways. He doesn't have to get his head pointed directly where he's going. and sp- He's still kind of leaning into the guy and running and keeping up with him, and it doesn't look like he's putting a lot of effort into it. So just like what Matt's saying, that the real benefit with that, you don't have to play off and play scared. I'm going to play right up in your face, and if you want to try to run past me, best of luck. That's a serious advantage. Now, I'm sure there's guys that are going to get behind him at times, but uh, just the fact that he does have that ability and that confidence, that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. Now, again, I think Kevin King kind of had that as well. Unfortunately, there's also a technique aspect to keeping up with guys and double moves and things like that. You can kind of get caught up in that once in a while. But uh, again, my thought is this is sort of a second attempt at getting the guy we hoped Kevin King would be with Eric Stokes. They're not identical, but you know, from my perspective, I, the, the positive traits are very similar and the negative traits are very similar. But anyways, we got a fun little follow-up for Eric Stokes. So we'll play that real quick. Hey, Matt, going back to Rob's question about Stokes, the one question there seemed to be about him a little bit were his ball skills. You've got one of the all-time greats coach in that position, though. Is that something that Jerry can help him improve, you think? Yeah, I think that is just going to be – you, you kind of get what you emphasize, and we know that's going to be a big emphasis for him, and we're going to put him through as many ball drills as possible. And I thought that there was a couple of times I, I saw him run through the ball, and it looked, it looked easy. So that was encouraging. And, you know, he's going to have to continue to work on that because he could be um, – he can be an elite corner in this league, no doubt about it. And when you find corners that can take the ball away, there's there's nothing more valuable than that. Did I tell you that was a fun nugget or what? <laughs> Everything about the end, I mean, it's, it's interesting just from the standpoint of the Packers certainly agree with that assessment that his ball skills are an issue, and they decided right out of the gate that that's something, first of all, he's watching, right? He kept an eye on that, and that they're planning on emphasizing for him specifically. But just the end of that little... Uh, little statement there was pretty exciting the fact that he believes he can be an elite corner in this league which is which is great and I understand that could potentially be coach speak but I don't think they drafted him in the first round because they don't actually believe that I think they believe that and again the the prospect of having two top tier corners in the is just it's insane I mean you want to know how the Patriots ended up having such good defenses for Tom Brady all those years especially down the stretch it was DBs you know the emphasis typically is um, pass rushers, which is obviously a fantastic way to build a great defense. But a lot of teams, I think, are really headed in the direction of getting dominant defensive backs. And the Packers don't necessarily seem to disagree. I mean, obviously, the first thing that they did was go out and get Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn. But now they're starting to add add to this already pretty talented DB group, right? Amos was obviously a part of that. They got Savage after that. And now they get Stokes to add to Jair, who's already there. If they can get another hit, man, jeez, I just, you know, it, it really, it, it, for me, it comes down to the defensive coordinator because the pieces were there. I just think Patton just did not do a good job putting them in the right spots. And so if we can just get a guy that, that can look at this, this group and say, this is what we got to do to make it work, that's all it's going to take. And I know people are skeptical and, and rightly so. The guy has never really been a super talented defensive coordinator in terms of production. But that doesn't, I mean, production a lot of times has to do with I mean, there's two components. There's the players you have, and then there's the way that you use them. There's the pieces, and then there's the way you move the pieces. Has he ever really had pieces? Has he ever had a defense this good before? I don't think so. And I think we all knew a lot of times the problems with our defensive coordinator. 
I mean, I can't remember times when, you know, usually it was, it's fans will attack and say the defensive coordinator should have done this or shouldn't have done this. That was stupid. And then the, the coach gets asked and he defends the coordinator. Matt LaFleur didn't. He'd come out and be like, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. That was stupid. I mean, there are times he would he would change the, the defensive call because he's like, dude, what are you doing? You'd have to waste timeouts to change. That should never happen. So Pettin, I don't know exactly what he was thinking. He obviously had a vision, and he was very dogmatic about that vision, and it just it didn't really fit what needed to happen. And I think he was just kind of blinded by his own vision because, I mean, you got fans and the head coach and the players all looking just going, what are we doing here, right? And so ideally... You know, obviously, again, Matt LaFleur had a, had kind of a vision, but he's not going to just take over the defensive coordinator role. But uh, he found a guy that he he shares a vision with, and um, obviously he heard what the plan was for the Green Bay Packers that Joe Barry has for this group, and he said, yeah, that's that's lines up with my vision. Let's do it. So we got we to gotta see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Well, we got a uh, question about Mr. Amari Rogers, so let's see what uh, head coach Matt LaFleur had to say about the new stud wide receiver. Hey, Matt, <clears throat> keeping with that same theme, I know it was a one-hour practice, but seeing Amari up close for the first time, just what were your thoughts on him and, and being able to finally see him on the grass? Yeah, he's uh, he's a well-built kid. Um, uh, he looks like a grown man. Uh, he's got He's got that uh, big running back, thick frame, and then you watch him run routes and he doesn't move like most traditional running backs. So we're really excited about just the versatility that he could potentially bring to our offense and, and also his, his contribution on, on special teams. So it is interesting to remind ourselves that Ty Montgomery was not on Matt LaFleur's offense. Um, now, I'm not saying that Amari Rogers and Ty Montgomery are exactly the same or that Ty Montgomery would have been great with Matt LaFleur, but it is it is worth at least noting that because sometimes you start thinking about it, at least for me, and it's like, yeah, we tried that. It didn't really work. Well, not a lot was working under Mike McCarthy down the stretch there. I think this is a fun piece. It's a versatile piece. If you even look at, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, Bears picked him up right after. He's played for about every team in the league. Cordero Patterson. He sort of fits that mold of being a little bit of a hybrid. He hasn't really found success anywhere, but he went to New England and they really had a very good role for him and he did quite well. Some guys, there's just a specific way to use them. And that's, I mean, some guys, it's just, it's, I don't think it's ever going to work. I think Tavon maybe just fits into that. Maybe there's somebody out there somewhere. Maybe if you would have brought in a college coach, I don't know, but he never found that, that team, that path, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. And, and also, I don't know that Ty was necessarily a super fantastic wide receiver. He was a little bit more of a tweener, whereas I'm hopeful at least that Amari is a very good wide receiver that has extra versatility, which again is is a little bit more like Randall Cobb, which is exciting because Randall Cobb wasn't built like a running back. Remember, Randall Cobb was a very good wide receiver who also did special teams and also occasionally lined up in the backfield and did very well when he did that. So it's a similar role, but I mean, he's just just built for those extras more so than, than a guy like Randall who's built to be just a wide receiver. Anyways, now we get to the, the juicy part where we ask about Aaron Rodgers. We're almost done with this. Um, but if you've probably seen the quote, it's been all over the place, Matt. Um, again, I don't know that it's necessarily new news, but I just think there's something valuable to hearing what exactly the words were and how exactly they were said to help form your opinion. So here was the question, and here was the answer to that question. Rob Domofsky. Hey, Matt, what progress, if any, have you made um, toward a resolution with Aaron since we last spoke with you after the draft. Yeah, Rob, I, I've got nothing new to 
uh, update, and uh, we still obviously feel the same way. It's, uh, you know, we want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work at it each and every day. So, again, it doesn't change much, and it, it doesn't change much for me either. It, my assessment is still that Matt LaFleur paints a very bleak picture. <laughs> he, he just He just does. I don't know. Everybody kind of paints things from a different direction. I said Gutekunst makes it seem very optimistic, like, you know, we think he's going to be back. Although his answer to why was was less than uh, encouraging. But uh, Matt just sounds desperate and pleading and sad and broken. And it does not sound like, like a head coach that feels super confident, but whatever. Draw your own conclusions. But I did talk about Joe Barry a little bit. Uh, here's a question about him in particular, so we'll see what was said about that. Hey Matt, this is our first time watching Joe Barry coach. Obviously, you've been around him for a lot longer than that. Um, what, what has he brought to the table? And he seems like a really hands-on kind of coach. And was that a big deal when you hired him? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you guys could attest to just the energy and the interaction he's going to bring um, to every position. Uh, he he's a coach and a teacher, and he loves loves the game. He loves rela- the relationships, not only with our players but with our coaches. And I think you could feel his energy out there today. So the last question was just basically: Is Amari going to be doing backfield work, and is Josh Myers going to be a center? Or are you going to work him other places? And Matt essentially said, "We're going to start with, you know, the core things. Amari is a wide receiver." and Josh is a center, and we'll see kind of where it leads from there, but that's that's basically where that ended off. But anyways, it's about 10.30, and I am super tired, so I'm going to get going here. Again, I thank you all for tuning in and uh, staying a part of the show. Things are kind of ramping up right now with uh, you know the rookie stuff, and hopefully we get a little bit more insights and whatnot. There were some other interviews. If you want to check those out, I'll probably listen to them, see if there's any fun little nuggets for tomorrow's show, but uh, otherwise you can just go check them out for yourself. But uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic, what, Saturday? I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.